Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. And so this week we're going to talk about uh, the, the whole goal behind the series was that if we're going to display the real Jesus, how many know you got to know what he looks like? If you're going to be a witness for him, Acts chapter 1 verse number 8 says, he says, uh, uh, behold, I give you power. He says, you'll be witnesses for me. Power will come upon you. Be witness to me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. And so what we have to understand today is that, that God wants us to emulate Jesus. Well, if we're going to emulate Jesus... And the real Jesus. I'm not talking about uh, a Jesus that culture portrays. I'm not talking about a, a Jesus that, that uh, some Christians uh, portray of judgment and condemnation and rudeness. Come on, somebody. The God we serve is a God of love. He's a God of forgiveness. He's a God of, of uplifting. Uh, he will correct you, though. He's a dad. Come on, how many dads in the room? You correct your kids. Yeah, you did on the way to church, didn't you? I know what you did. Yeah, and so we all have those moments where the Lord just kind of touches our hearts. And so um, today, uh, we're going to read out Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, and really understanding what we believe, Luke chapter 5, verse number 12 through 16, and I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation a story about a leprous man. And so the Bible says this, one day while Jesus was in a certain city, he came upon a man covered with leprous sores. When the man recognized Jesus, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet and begged to be healed, saying, if you're willing, you could completely heal me. Jesus reached out and touched him and said, of course I'm willing to heal you, and now you'll be healed. Instantly, the leprous sores were healed, and his skin became smooth. Jesus said, tell no one what has happened, but go to the temple priest and show them you've been healed. And to show that you are purified, make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded, you will become a living testimony for them. After this miracle, look at your neighbor and say miracle. The news about Jesus spread even further. Massive crowds continually gathered to hear him speak and to be healed from their illnesses. Today, I want to talk to you about the real Jesus as the miracle worker, as the God of miracles. There's a lot of tension around miracles. We believe for miracles and things don't happen in our life. And we can live in this place where uh, there's a letdown. We can live in this place where we've prayed for people. I've prayed for people and they went on to heaven. Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so while we're here, we pray, we, we believe in faith, we fast, just like David did for his son. He just, he just fasted, he prayed, he sought God and his son passed away. David gets up and he washes his hand, cleans his clothes. He said, listen, he can't come to me, but I'm going one day go to him. So there's this tension, like we want God to do things here on the earth. But I want you to understand something. A lot of times we put miracles into a category of one dimension. And what I mean by that is only physical. We don't think through the entire realm of what miracles looks like. And so sometimes we think, okay, well, if he doesn't heal me physically, has he ever done a miracle? Well, I'm here to tell you, I'm going to show you the greatest miracle the Bible talks about today. And I believe today some of you will recognize this miracle that's happened in your life. And you're going to start to see other people need this miracle as well. And so here's Jesus. He, he comes along and he sees this leprous guy. He has leprous sores. And again, that's, it's open wounds. It's leprosy. But what you have to understand about a leper in the, in the day and age in which they live, kind of put yourself in this story, is that 
Leprosy was a tough, bad diagnosis, right? It wasn't something that, that you just kind of get over. Um, it was incurable. It was highly contagious. And really, when you had leprosy in the Bible, nobody wanted to be around you. And so uh, as a leper, this guy was an outcast. The, the leprosy would be physically numbing and, and he would have challenges uh, with his body. But also, if you think about it, it's not just a physical issue for this man. This man also has a spiritual emotional problem because he considered an outcast. Uh, he, he's the guy that's left out when everybody else is being picked to be on the team. He's the guy that's left out to sit on the bench while everybody else is playing. Why? Because he's considered an outcast. Nobody wanted to be around him. So not only did he have a physical problem, but he had an emotional mental problem. He had a spiritual problem in his life. And so his social problem was that he was isolated around other lepers. Isolation's a bad thing. I believe isolation is the place where the enemy speaks the most to you in those dark places. And this man was in dark places. This man was in this place of isolation. And as he's in this place of isolation, he was isolated from his family and friends. I couldn't help but think back through uh, 2020 and, and we were in isolation. And, and the thing that kind of just kept coming to my mind was the people that were in nursing homes that were not able to see their family members. Man, this really started to get to me as I was studying this because that's the picture, right? They would, you'd see pictures online of, of, of grandmas and grandpas talking to their loved ones through the window. Um, just a real emotional time, but it was a time of isolation. And, and there was this separation from family and friends. And, and it did something to us. I believe 2020 did something to a lot of people psychologically that we haven't ne necessarily seen the total fruit of yet. That there's something psychologically that happened when you were in that place of isolation. If you weren't intentional spending time with God and seeing it as an opportunity and you let isolation get the best of you, there's some psychological things that's going on in your life, but I believe God's a healer. I believe he can put your psychological mind back in place, right? I believe he can level those things out. I believe he can bring healing, right? And so uh, th this man, he was isolated from his family and friends. He had no fun. He had no life. He was banished from society. And if this man went out in public at all, if he was so daring to go out in public, first off, he knew he could be stoned, that people were waiting. If they saw him, they would, they would stone him to death. But also, if he would go through the public, he had to announce that he was unclean. So he would, he would go through the city if he was able to go, and he had to make it known that he was unclean. He would yell. Unclean, 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 as he would pass through the multitudes of people. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine being an untouchable person, a person that's been in isolation, a person that has this incurable disease, and you go to town at the local Kroger's, and you got to yell, unclean, unclean, everywhere you go. Now, I don't care what anybody says in this room. That's the most embarrassing, psychologically damaging thing that a person could ever experience. So he has a physical problem, but the physical problem has led to emotional and mental and, 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 and social uh, pain that he's experienced and brokenness in his life. And then in the moment of all of this, this is the condition that Jesus steps into. He steps into this impossible situation where he, he encounters an untouchable. 
I, I love the passage, and I'll, I'll get into it later, but, but I love how Jesus reached out to this man. Write this down for me this morning. The prerequisite of a miracle is an impossible situation. You don't really need a miracle if the situation's possible. If it's when you have an impossible situation that you need a miracle. And it's not just having a miracle. A lot of times we seek miracles. We seek the healings. We seek the, we seek the blessing. Don't do that. I'm telling you today as your shepherd, don't seek the miracle. Don't seek the blessing. Seek the blesser. Seek the miracle worker. Don't seek the, the manifestation of it. Seek the one that brings those things into the earth. Come on, somebody. We put our perspective right. And so we, 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 we focus on the real Jesus. A miracle, as a definition, is an extraordinary event manifesting as a divine intervention in human affairs. Now think about your life for just a minute. Have you ever had a miracle? Let me read it again. A miracle is an extraordinary event manifesting at a divine intervention in human affairs. Now I'm not talking about the miracle of the last second shot, right, in the basketball game. And the underdogs, they win. It's like, it's a miracle. Oh, that's not a miracle. That's not a miracle. That's happenstance. Amen. Come on, somebody. But the point is, is that point is, is that, that the miracle is divine intervention, unless you've seen angels in the outfield. Anybody ever seen angels in the outfield? Right when the angels swoop in and the kids like, phew, right? That's what I'm talking about. Supernatural baseball. Never seen it before in my entire life. I've been around baseball since I was that big. But a miracle is an extraordinary event manifesting as a divine intervention in human affairs. Simply put, let me just make it this plain to you, a miracle is where God intervenes. Where God intervenes, it's when his power collides with our reality. Come on, you need to hear that this morning. Some of you are facing a nasty reality in your life. If you're watching online or maybe you're in the room today and you're facing a nasty reality, a diagnosis, a problem, things happening emotionally and physically and socially, that there's something happening in your life and you've been running everywhere but to the source that can actually bring the manifestation of healing in your life. See, the Bible tells us this. People ask me, you know, those miracles and, and those things are for today. Absolutely they are. People, Hebrews tells us. Let's not take things out of the Bible and kind of set them aside. Hebrews says it this way. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? Now, how those miracles come is different. Jesus, though, is involved with being the miracle worker in our lives. Now, we, again, we've all experienced something we're believing for and maybe didn't see it happen. Listen, God wants to take, take that, that moment. There's something in there where God wants to try to allow you to see the miracle moments in the middle of something that felt very tragic. That in the middle of all of that, there's miracle moments that took place uh, in your life. And so a miracle is when God intervenes. It's when his power collides with our reality. So here's three things about the real Jesus as the God of miracles that can apply to us based on this story. Number one is this. Jesus is a noticer. Here's this man that is isolated from society. He, he has these leprous sores on him. And the Bible says this. The Bible says that uh, the man heard about Jesus, and all of a sudden Jesus noticed this man. It says that in the middle of, of this isolation, in the middle of this brokenness of this man's life, Jesus noticed him. 
He knows what we go through. He understands that there are things in our life that we're going through. Let me say this to you just really quick, because I feel like I need to say this to somebody in this room. It's this. God can handle your questions. And if you were ever told questions are a sign of a lack of faith, you've been told wrong. My kids, they can come to me and ask any question they want, right? I don't, I don't shun them for asking me a question. I'm not like, ooh, little faithers, you, get up out of here. You know what I mean? No, I'm, I want to bring them up to my perspective so they can see what their father sees. And that's what God does. God doesn't come down on you and say, oh, you're asking a question. And so, you know what? You're just a bad kid. You lack of faith. You pee on you. No. God comes along and he lifts us up. And he understands our questions. Why? Because he notices us. He notices us. Think about that for just a minute. When you felt alone, the Bible tells us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He notices you. Right where you're at, in the need that you're in, he notices you. He's fully aware of your shame. He's fully aware of the sores and the pain. He's fully aware of the suffering. He's fully aware of the struggle of everything that you are going through. You know, have you ever been on a, have you ever been around people that don't really notice other people? I was on a flight from Louisiana, from Atlanta to Louisiana, and uh, I was sitting in this, it's a three-seater with a two-seater on this side, and, and I was on the two-seat side. And there was a man that got on the plane not noticing that I was there for some reason, as if I'm missable. Come on, somebody. And so I get on the plane, and this man, he's got his bag. He's looking for his seat. He's like, bam, hitting, hitting me in the head. He's trying to find the compartment. His shirt's flying up. Oh, dear Jesus. <laughs> Sir, wear an underneath shirt. Amen. We don't need to see all that craziness on the airplane. And so anyway, <laughs> but he just didn't notice that everybody else was noticing. Right? And you, go, you got people, they don't even care. They just, you know, I got ran off the road a few weeks ago by a semi-truck. I'm okay, don't worry. Dear Lord, y'all got nervous. Just hit everybody, what? No, I was just driving. All of a sudden, he didn't even notice me. He did a right over. So I went right over to the shoulder. There I was. Driving down the shoulder. It's just, it, it, it's just like people, they don't notice. You know, they don't, they don't really care. I'm going to say something I think is pretty funny, and you could think it's gross, but I think it's funny. My grandpa, when he got older, he uh, didn't care if anybody noticed. He had a gas problem. <laughs> and, you know, when you get older, you kind of do things you want to do. Come on, somebody. So when we would go to the grocery, <laughs> he'd be going down aisle six, and he wouldn't even care if anybody noticed. This brother was crop dusting everybody in aisle six. He would just run down. He just let it fly. And he wouldn't even look up like, excuse me, nothing. He didn't care what anybody else thought. He just didn't notice it. People falling out in the power down the thing, like falling in the ramen noodles because grandpa was just letting it fly. Amen. Just letting it go. Just didn't know, didn't even care, didn't even notice. And, you know, we do with that. We have this, we have this mentality about us. Right? We just live life in a way where we just don't notice each other. And so we have to understand, though, that that's not how God works. God notices us, 
in our mess. God notices us in our brokenness. God notices us in those times where we're filled with pain and we're going through situations. And listen, some of you, it's really, some things in life that are really heavy are just things like you're a parent of 65 children. Not really, but you got a lot of kids and the weight is on you as a parent, right? Some of you are like, I got one kid and that's enough, amen. Right, but it's just the weight on you. It's, it's, the, it's the isolation that you feel. We know, I know a lot of moms that just feel like they're by themselves when it comes to raising their kids. There, there's an isolation that takes place. But I want you to hear me this morning. Jesus notices. Jesus, Jesus notices. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, while we were still sinners, Christ noticed us. And he noticed us in a way that he would give his life for us while we were still in our sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Number two thing we need to realize today is Jesus is a reacher. Not only is he a noticer, but he is a reacher. You know, we all have a little reach on the inside of us. We all have a little reach on the inside of us. Sorry, I had a picture of a family just driving down the road. And you know, you got two kids in the back here, in the back you're driving, you're going on vacation, you got two kids back here in the back seat, and all of a sudden one of the kids is like, he's touching me! Right? All of a sudden they start arguing stuff. How many know you got a little reach in you as a parent? It doesn't matter how you're driving in the name. You turn around and you reach and you grab you shit. Right? You got a little reach in you. All of us got a little reach in us. Your kid starts running down the aisle, taking off somewhere at the grocery store. How many know you got a, you got a little reach in you? Right? We all have that instinct. We all have a little bit of reach in us. Well, Jesus was that way. He, he's a reacher. Bible says in Luke 5, 13 and 14 says this. Again, notice the, the verbiage here. It says that he encountered a man that was not touchable. But it says Jesus reached out and touched him and said, of course I'm willing to, to heal you, and now you will be healed. So in the middle of somebody that was not supposed to be touched because it was incurable, it was highly contagious, Jesus stepped into this moment as the reacher, and it says he reached out his hand and he touched him. See, Jesus isn't just, uh, he just isn't going to say, well, yeah, I can heal you, right? You might only believe that about the real, well, he can heal me, but will he heal me? And the Bible tells us that the Bible says that he is willing, not only can he, but he is willing to heal you. Not only will he, but he can. He's going to stick his hand out. And he's going to touch you. He's a reacher. It doesn't matter how far you uh, uh, have gone. It doesn't matter how far away you are. It doesn't matter how far the lost is that God is a reacher. He fears nothing. He will step into every situation with his love, with his power, with his, with his, uh, uh, his blessing, and he will step into every situation and reach in and touch you and deliver you and set you free. And finally is this, Jesus is healer. He is healing Jesus. He is healing Jesus. Luke 5, 13 and 14 again says, he reached out, touched them. He says, of course I'm willing to heal you, and now you will be healed. Instantly the leprous sores were healed, and his skin became smooth. He not only can do it, but he's willing to do it. He is our healer. 
Bible says it this way in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. All of us in this room have experienced a miracle. Well, maybe not everybody. Maybe, in, in, maybe you're watching online today and you say, I've never experienced a miracle. Well, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I really believe that the greatest miracle of all is not physical healing, not emotional healing. I believe the greatest miracle of all is salvation. Salvation is the greatest miracle of all where God takes a person that is separated from him and he takes them and he takes them in their sin and in their darkness. And when we say yes to Christ, all of a sudden Jesus comes and he takes us and the Bible says that we go from light or from darkness to light. We go from old to new. When you said yes to Jesus, do you realize that you experienced a miracle? Why, because you couldn't save yourself. Do you realize that other people can't save themselves? That I think sometimes we forget, we think salvation was a prayer. No, salvation was a miracle. Salvation was a miracle that we experience in this world. And so the Bible tells us that, that, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So in other words, everyone has, has either experienced a miracle or needs to experience a miracle. Not just, well, we've experienced, oh yes, Jesus, he's my Lord. Yes, it's great. But the Bible says if you've experienced a miracle, somebody else needs to experience a miracle. In other words, you are the carrier of the greatest miracle message on the earth. That he is a miracle worker. He's a noticer, he's a reacher, he's a healer, but listen to me, he also will save you and transform you and deliver you from your sin. It's the greatest message in the earth today. It's the greatest thing that people need to hear is that no matter where they find themselves, he will reach down and save them. No matter what they find themselves in, he will notice and he will save and heal. It doesn't matter how broken we are, he will heal our emotions and our mentalities and our psychological things that we have going on in our life. We are carriers of the greatest miracle message on the earth. We've all experienced miracles, but the greatest miracle is salvation. I love what Romans, actually John 14 says it this way. He said, believe me, I'm in my Father, and my Father is in me. If you can't believe that, believe what you see these works. The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things. Because I am, I'm on my way to the Father, and I'm giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. I am giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. This is Jesus talking to his church. He says, you can count on it from now on, wherever you, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I am doing, I'll do it. God in this moment is explaining to us whatever level you need him at. If you need him to notice you, he'll notice you. If you need him to reach in and, and, and change, if you need him to heal you, he will. But also understand church, that maybe you're good on all those. Regardless, if you've said yes to Christ, you have a miracle message that somebody else needs to hear. 
You have a miracle message of what God has done in your life and how he will save you, how he will transform you, how he will deliver you. Romans says it this way in in, uh, chapter 10, and I'll close with this. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And now, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. That's me and you today. Maybe in this place today and you say, Pastor, I need, I didn't realize Jesus noticed me in my moment. Maybe today you didn't realize that, that, that where you felt unworthy, God was willing to touch your life in a way and heal you when you thought you were untouchable. Oh, I've done too much. You have no idea how bad my life is and all the things that I've done. Doesn't matter. See, the thing is, you have to understand, God's not dying on, after he's seen your sin, he's not dying on the cross to take care of the sin that you've committed. He's already died on the cross to take care of all the sins you commit and will ever commit. So there's freedom in your past, in your present, and in your future. So I wanna encourage you today, if you're in this place and, and God's moving on your heart, just close your eyes where you're at for just a moment. Maybe you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. Or maybe you've walked away from God and today you didn't realize that you could experience a miracle. Whether you're in this room or online today, if you've never experienced the miracle of salvation and saying yes to Christ, going from darkness to light, Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he says, when you say yes to Jesus, the old things pass away and all things become new. If you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to experience a miracle today. I'm tired of the way I'm living. I'm tired of the things I'm involved. I'm tired of sin that I've walked away from God. Or maybe you've never actually met him in the first place. If you're in this place, I'd like the opportunity to pray for you. Would you do me a favor? Just raise up your hand. If that's you on any of those occasions, that's me, Pastor. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life today. Anybody? If you're watching online and you say, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life, do me a favor and put the word yes in the comments today. We're all gonna pray together as the family of God. Let's pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, to raise from the dead for me. Thank you today. Come into my heart. Make me a new creature. Old things pass away and all things become new. Do a miracle in my heart. Thank you for it today. I receive you as Lord and Savior. Transform me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap for those that said yes to Jesus today. I want to pray for you as well, church, this morning. I just want to pray in a way, maybe you're in this place today and something within this message kind of touched your heart. 
of Jesus being the miracle worker in your life. Don't put him in a box. Don't put him in just one category. He wants to, he wants, he wants to, in, he wants to heal all portions of your life. Father, today I pray for each person in this room. Lord, I thank you today that your Holy Spirit is moving in this place. God, I thank you today you're touching minds, you're touching our thought patterns. Lord, those in this room that need a touch mentally, with every head bowed and every eye closed, there's, there's, you feel like there's a band around your mind. There's a pressure. And there's a band around your mind today. I believe the Lord wants to break the band off of you. I believe he wants to break the thought patterns in your life today, supernaturally. So if you're in this place, you say, Pastor, I feel that pressure, that band that's been on my mind. Will you, will you raise up your hand? Nobody looking around. I just want to pray for you. Say, Pastor, that's me. I see you. There's, there's bands around your mind. It's a pressure. <clears throat> Father, we just pray for each person's mind today. We just ask, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, that you bring healing to minds in this room. Break the bands supernaturally of the oppression of the enemy in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for physical bodies today. Those in this room that need a physical touch, thank you today for healing their bodies from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet in the name of Jesus. Thank you for continual healing in people's bodies in our church in Jesus' name. Lord God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you today for emotional healing. Lord, there's been damage through relationships of people in this room that have been damaged through relationships. Lord, I just pray today in the name of Jesus for healing emotionally from relationships. Father, I thank you for that. Thank you for healing emotionally because of damage in relationships today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you. We praise you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap today? He's good. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.